Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our positional ranking series, and today we're going to talk about our top 10 Western Conference shooting mode. So a disclaimer for today's episode no Clay Thompson because he's out for the season due to injury. So, Jalen, who are your top 10 Western Conference shooting guards? All right. So, on the list, I have James Harden of the Houston Rockets at one, Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz at two, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns at three, Paul George of the LA Clippers at four, CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers at five. D'Angelo Russell of the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves at six, Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings at seven, Gary Harris of the Denver Nuggets at eight, Eric Bledsoe of the now, ooh, who is Eric Bledsoe on? Jeez, he's been bouncing around all over the place. New Orleans. He is now a New Orleans Pelican. That is right. Oh, man, he was in that. Weird trade early on in the mix of all this offseason stuff. And also um, at number 10, I have Andrew Wiggins of the Golden State Warriors. Nice assist, Ryan. I'm telling you, Eric Bledsoe has been everywhere over the last couple of years. I would double check that, though, real quick before we continue. (laughs) Uh, So for my list, number 10, Lou Williams. Number nine, Andrew Wiggins. Number eight, Dylan Brooks. Number seven, Paul George. Number six, D'Angelo Russell. Number five, Buddy Heald. Number four, C.J. McCollum. Number three, Donovan Mitchell. Number two, Devin Booker. Number one, James Harden. Wow. Ryan, I'm going to give you the floor. Where do you want to start with this, man? And I think we should talk about Paul George. So why do you have Paul George where you have Paul George at right now? Well, um, I'll give credit where credit is due. He's a solid defender. Um, He's a solid defender. He still shot over 40% from the field and from three. As far as him being a second option, I think think it's over for him. Um, He collapsed in the playoffs. I think it's safe to say that he collapsed in the playoffs. Um, Not a lot of his teammates – like him being uh, treated the way he is treated with all the preferential treatment, personal security, uh, personal trainers. I think he thinks that the team could run it back. I don't think his team thinks that they can run it back. I don't like where this is going. I think Paul George needs to leave Los Angeles immediately. I think that it's pretty much over for him. Um, being a top player in the league. I drop him down all the way to seven because let's face it. I believe that D'Angelo Russell and Buddy Heald are better than him. Um, I also don't think that Paul George is, I I think Paul George just needs to leave Los Angeles. Like I said, Um, he's talking a lot about how the series should not, should not have gone the way it had. He was treated like he was J.J. Redick or Ray Allen. He didn't like his role on the team. 
I don't like where this is going. I think Hollywood is starting to get to him. I don't think that look, I, I will say it again. I don't think he is as good as he once was. I also think he's done being a second option. Man, that is rough. Um I just gotta say I wholeheartedly disagree, bro. I mean, look, it's not it's no it's no offense to you. It's no offense to your take. I mean, that's the whole point of this show, right? Hot takes and debates. That's the first things that come out of your mouth in the intro, and for good reason. Um, to think that Paul George is done though, I find that extremely intriguing just out of the fact that we literally are only talking about being one season removed from being in the top three um of the MVP discussion. Um, this is a guy who is one of the better two-way players in the league. Um, I know that the debacle in the playoffs was uh, a big hit to not only his ego, but also probably Kawhi Leonard's and a lot of the other guys who participated in that three-to-one, um, three-one lead, uh, lead loss. Um, it's just, I find it extremely difficult to judge a player off of one season that was pandemic riddled in a situation where they are on a team that has a lot of different personalities that seem to not really have meshed the way we would have assumed or maybe even hoped to. Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams were once on a slam cover thick as thieves as basically the bandits in LA. And Montrez Harrell felt so unwanted by his team that he didn't want to be abandoned no more. He wanted to be a glamour child, like the uh, as a member of the upstairs team, as most would call them, in the reigning defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. We're in a situation now where there's still discussion as to whether or not Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams will be on this team next season. I think the coaching of Doc Rivers is something that can fall a bit on deaf ears after a while. And I think he's a guy who's been in that Clippers locker room for a, for a, a long enough time to the point that he kind of needed a change of scenery um, as well, not to blame him for anything that took place in that series necessarily, because at the end of the day, players got to play. But I, I, I hate to bump him down as far as seventh and say somebody like D'Angelo Russell, who we, really haven't seen perform much besides his own singular playoff appearance with the Brooklyn Nets um, almost two seasons ago. And a guy in Buddy Heald whose only, you know, claims to fame are former Wooden Award winner and third best three-point shooter in the league, only behind Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, which is a very significant feat, mind you. But he... I mean, he plays on a Sacramento Kings team where he doesn't – where at one point last season, he was coming off the bench for Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is now on the Atlanta Hawks. As a guy who's considered the third-best shooter in the league, being relegated to the bench, coming behind a guy who just was able to move on to the Atlanta Hawks for not really that crazy of a deal, you you kind of come to wonder, like – what value does Buddy Heald have on a team seeking contention or team seeking even, you know, a playoff spot when he can't even maintain minutes on the floor? Maybe that has a little bit to do with Luke Walton's coaching style as well. 
That didn't really help Lonzo Ball once upon a time when he was the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. But I don't know if I can put PG behind those two guys when they've barely sniffed the playoffs as much as Paul George has played in the playoffs. And although they weren't great performances, they haven't been great performances since his time in uh, probably Indiana. There's still something to say about the fact that regular season Paul George, if anything, is an all-star caliber player at his peak. And I can't say that D'Angelo Russell and Buddy Heald are all-star caliber players at the shooting guard position in the Western Conference when it goes this deep. So I looked at players as a whole. Um, I looked at and how I formed my list was I looked at what happened during the season and what happened in the offseason, offseason, playoffs, etc. I think what happened was Paul George just didn't didn't want to be in L.A. I, I have a feeling he doesn't want to be in L.A. Um, because of the demeanor that he had um, after the playoffs, even during most of the series, I think that he just wasn't in it. I think that he um, – he wasn't able to play as good as people thought he was going to play. I look at the Dallas series, for example. Um, there were a couple of games where you and I, Jalen, both said, what's going on with Paul George? Agreed. And then we looked at the Denver series, game seven, and Jalen, you and I said again, what's going on with Paul George? Mm-hmm. There is a feeling that I believe that Paul George does not want to be in L.A. And I think that if he wants to leave, I think he's free to leave because I think he's going to succeed elsewhere. I bumped it down all all the way to seven based off what I saw last season. And what I saw last season was that Paul George was not the same Paul George as what we saw in Indiana and what we saw in Oklahoma City because the Paul George that I saw in Oklahoma City was third in the MVP voting at one point. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he was better than his number one option on his team, Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. We can't sit here and say that that's the same guy that's on L.A. Because he's clearly not the same guy that he was on uh, in Oklahoma City. He's clearly not the same guy that he is. Um, he once was in Indiana. This is a different Paul George that I believe is no longer the second best player on a team. And I hope he proves me wrong this season. Because what I saw last season was not him. This was not Paul George. I put D'Angelo Russell and Blake Heald over him simply because of what I saw last season. I think that D'Angelo Russell made a significant improvement and he averaged 23 points a game. And I think he's a primary part of the, he's a primary part of the offense and I think he's been able to grow ever since he left Los Angeles. He led Brooklyn to the playoffs. He was on Golden State. And I know it really wasn't the best fit for him to be on Golden State. But he took over when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were out. Um, and then now he's in Minnesota where he's in he's a relevant part of the offense. He's, a, he's part of an uh, offense with Carl Anthony Towns that I think in the future could turn Minnesota into a Western Conference powerhouse. And then if you're looking at Buddy Heald, yes, I understand that he's coming off the bench for a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich. But number one, Bogdan, Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich is gone, which means he's going to get more minutes. 
And two, there's a chance he may not end up being in Sacramento anymore, considering that it looks like he really wants to be with a contender. Now, depends on who that contender really is. I think there's a chance he may go to Los Angeles with the Lakers. That would be huge, considering that they still need, even though they upgraded at the guard position, they could always use more help. I think if you get him in Milwaukee, that would also be huge, considering you're pairing him with Drew Holiday. Um, you could honestly send Buddy Heald anywhere because I feel like he's going to be a valuable contributor to any team. I think that both Buddy Heald and D'Angelo Russell are better than Paul George based off what I saw last season. I mean, you know, I take every point that was made with a grain of salt only out of the fact that I still just want to try to believe in Paul George. Um, Rashad, if you're listening to this, bro, we can only hold on to this train for so much longer. I'm just letting you know. We we obviously discussed this when we had him on the show once upon a time, and he had mixed reviews about Paul George, and so do I. But my only thing is, if we're going based off of last season, we do have to re- we do have to remember that a good majority of the time that D'Angelo Russell was on the court, he was playing for Golden State, a team that was dismantled by injuries. So being the lead guard on on a young Golden State Warriors team deprived of um, Klay Thompson and Steph Curry for most of the season, a, a team that didn't really get a ton of play from Draymond Green as well, and Andrew Wiggins being kind of inserted um, into the lineup as part of a separate cha- trade as well. You have to wonder whether or not that was a true testament to what D'Angelo Russell can be on a regular basis, or if that that all-star year he had with the Nets is kind of the aberration out of the fact that he was in the Eastern Conference. The other thing with Buddy Heald is we can say if, if, if in terms of when he lands on a contender, but that all comes down to when and if and who that contender is. And then throwing on top of that, the fact that despite having more minutes, one could argue that this is a team that is going to want to lean more on the backs of De'Aaron Fox and newly acquired Tyrese Halliburton, who they were extremely high on in the draft and were somehow able to snag in the, in the, in the later part of the lottery. So I think Buddy Hill will be on the move, but as currently constructed, He's in a situation right now where he's in limbo and his only transferable skill is really his three-point three shooting ability. I think I agree with you that I think D'Angelo Russell and Buddy Heald are top 10 guards. I disagree with you to the fact that you believe that Paul George isn't a second best option on a team, but somehow D'Angelo Russell or Buddy Heald could qualify as such. That's the only part that I disagree with a bit. I think if we're ranking these three in terms of who has the best chance of qualifying to be the second best player on a championship team, I think the first name that comes off is Paul George. And I think that's the most interesting thing about it. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're the, that, that he's a better player. Um, I believe he is, but in terms of your argument, I understand where it might not necessarily mean that he's a better player, but if the primary portion of your argument is that he's not the second best player on a championship team, I don't necessarily know if D'Angelo Russell or Buddy Hill qualifies that either. And I see where you're coming from, and I understand that um, 
one may look at D'Angelo Russell and Buddy Heald throughout the longevity of their careers and say that, yes, it doesn't make any sense that, that they are better than Paul George. But if we are looking at last season and everything that we saw with last season, I think personally Buddy Heald and D'Angelo Russell are better than Paul George. Okay. But, we will, but we will leave it at that. Um, so let's talk about another thing that's different about our list. So you had, um, you actually did not include Dylan Brooks or Lou Williams on your list. So my main question is, given the fact that Dylan Brooks has shown a lot of improvement and Lou Williams has been a consistent offensive spark off the bench, what makes you think that they aren't top 10? So – the first thing is that for okay, let's start with Dylan Brooks because you know I love Memphis, and so this kind of hurt me a little bit to even pull this trigger. But the thing with Dylan Brooks is the fact that across the board on his team, he is not asked to do very much. Um, he is on a team with John Morant as the primary spark plug that also facilitates the entire offense. He has Jaron Jackson Jr. down low, who is already one of the better defensive. Um, big men in the league and is slowly starting to develop more um, as an inside post presence. Um, having Valanchunas is he's, I mean, Valanchunas, you can argue is their best player. I mean, John Morant, I would say is their best player, but you could easily go out on a limb and make an argument that a guy who can average 20 and 10 in Valanchunas, it could be their best player. And then you throw in top on top of that, my wild card in this circumstance is the fact that I believe that although he might play the three position a ton, when they get Justice Winslow healthy, that's going to be another guy who they're going to probably try to utilize in a off-ball, on-ball transition between him and John Morant, which I think is going to give them another ball handler that's going to also take the ball out of Dylan Brooks's hands a lot more. Now, Dylan Brooks developing as a three-point shooter is huge in terms of this, but I think the fact that we've seen the Justice Winslow experiment at point guard work in Miami, he averaged 27, seven, and eight. It's not, it's not arguable. It's just fact. You can look it up, but I think the combination of having two supreme superior ball handlers who can facilitate and also create their own shot and create for others in jaw and justice. I think it takes away significantly from what Dylan Brooks brings to the table and entering this season, we have to take those kind of things into consideration. Now, in terms of Lou Williams, my issue with Lou is, it has nothing to do with him being a six-man because it's, it's similar. I would say it's similar to Spencer Dinwiddie, but not in the same kind of way. Spencer Dinwiddie comes off the bench because I, the team genuinely believes that he's not the best point guard on their, on their team, and I don't, I don't think that's arguable. You had Kyrie Irving as your best point guard in our um, Eastern Conference point guard rankings for a reason. I had him as number two um, for a reason. So um, Spencer Dinwiddie being the guard that comes off the bench behind Kyrie Irving, it sounds like something that's not very debatable. You know what I mean? With Lou Williams, they're in a situation where, again, similar to how you had Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie on the list together, it would you have Paul George and Lou Williams on the court together. 
and on the list together. So I think that when there's one player on your team that already has a solidified role at said position, although the performance of Lou Williams is there, he's still not the solidified go-to option at the shooting guard position. The other thing is he's a one-dimensional player. I mean, Lou Williams is literally an offensive microwave. Like that's literally his go-to thing. But when he's off, he's off. When he's on, he's on. And even then, he still only provides you that one side of the ball. So imagine Lou Williams being off and being murdered on the defensive side of the of the ball. That's a rough night. And I'm not saying that it happens often because Lou Williams is a guy who averages between 17 and 19 points coming off the bench. He does his thing. But at the same time, Similar to what you mentioned about Paul George not looking like himself, uh, Lou Williams, a.k.a. Lou Lemon Pepper Lou, didn't look very much like himself in the playoffs either. And he's a guy who's never really been much of an X factor in the playoffs for a majority of his career. He's always been in the six-man-of-the-year contention during the regular season. But come playoff time, he's never been the kind of guy that pops off the page. And he had a 20 or 30-point outburst Some so at some point. I think it was against the Mavericks in the first round. But other than that, we really, haven't see, we really didn't see Lou Williams pop off during the playoffs either. So those are kind of my two things that have me a little off. I would say you can argue maybe putting Lou over a guy like Andrew Wiggins but I just feel like Andrew Wiggins still has that level of upside that we're waiting for on the defensive end that under Golden State with their roster constructed with guys like Steph Curry, Kelly Oubre, um, and just their overall roster being more whole than what Andrew Wiggins experienced last season. I think that he's going to adopt the culture they have, and that includes playing team defense at a really high level. And that's why I have a belief that Andrew Wiggins is still a top 10 shooting guard in the Western Conference. And I agree. I do believe that Andrew Wiggins is a top 10 shooting guard in the Western Conference. Um, To go off your point about Lou Williams, pretty much the same reason why I put Paul George at the position where he is. He's really one of the reasons why Los Angeles didn't do as well or didn't do as great as people thought they were going to be. I personally thought that they were going to win the Western Conference and pretty much run through everybody in the playoffs and then win the championship. Um, Obviously, that did not happen. And I think that, you you know, you can kind of attribute that to the play of guys like Paul George and Lou Williams, who, let's face face it, they did not play that well in the playoffs. Um, And then Lou Williams averaging 18 points a game. He's one of the best players coming off the bench. But let's think about what I just said. He's one of the best players coming off the bench. He's not starting. Um, Could he make for a good starter? Yes. But would it be much preferable that he comes off the bench? Absolutely, because he's been a six-man-of-the-year contender for the past five years. So I feel like there's that that as as my evidence. in terms of Dylan Brooks, I understand where you're coming from, considering the fact that, yes, they have, done, they have Justice Winslow, um, and he's not even the best player on their team. Um, you mentioned that John Morant is 
best player on their team. And I agree. I do believe John Morant is the best player on their team. But in terms of making a list for shooting guards in the West, Dylan Brooks has to be considered, considering basically for the same reason why I put De'Aaron Fox on the list uh, when we did Western Conference point guards. Dylan Brooks has shown massive improvement in his career. He went from averaging 11 points down to seven points down and now has improved to 16 points a game this season. And I think where he fits in the Grizzlies offense, I don't really care for the fact that he's the third option. I just, I'm just glad that he complements the offense well. Um, and I think that, yes, that you probably wouldn't put a third option on a top 10 point guard, on a top 10 list for shooting guards. But Dylan Brooks being the third option fits well with what Memphis is going for, considering that your number one option is the rookie of the year, John Moran. And your number two option is arguably, or it could arguably be one of the best centers in the, in the league at some point. So Dylan Brooks being the third option, I think he's fine. And he's averaging 16 points a game as well. So I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not saying that Dylan Brooks should be a third option, but I think that where Dylan Brooks is at right now at number eight, I think it fits perfectly in my list. I mean, I don't hate Dylan Brooks being on the list at all. That's, that's just kind of the thing. After a while you go down the list and you kind of just wonder um, how guys fit in. I mean, I, I would agree um, that Dylan Brooks is a, a very high caliber talent at his position. I just look at certain guys who provide something um, at that position that is relatively different. Um, a guy in Gary Harris is not anywhere near in the top three or four um, in terms of options on Denver. But what happened when he came back from injury in said Clippers series and even going into um, – and even um, go, especially going into the last uh, three games of that series partic- particularly, um, he was – he was the primary defender. He was the main one creating defensive actions that got them into those games. If you remember all three of those games, they came back from double digit deficits in terms of being able to not only fight back into the game, but also be able to seal the deal in those games that had a lot to do with Gary, Gary Harris defensively. Eric Bledsoe was a guy who, although in the playoffs, he's a little bit questionable. He's a guy who I think is going to be able to produce relatively well on new Orleans. I did double check uh, to make sure that that was the team he's on. So yeah, he's on um, new Orleans and he's going to be paired with Lonzo ball, which I think is going to be an excellent, excellent defensive backcourt. And I think Eric Bledsoe's ability to play alongside Lonzo, in passing lanes is going to make them a scary defensive team overall in terms of playing team defense, having the ball um, on a string as a offensive, as an off ball offensive player. Cause I believe that they're going to try to put the ball in Lonzo ball's hands a lot more often. Um, so I think that Eric Bledsoe's upside as a team and a one-on-one defender is something just a significantly more um, elite than what you see from a scoring aspect from Dylan. And then again, like I said earlier, when it comes to Andrew Wiggins, it's just really the fact that I think under his first true year under the Golden State program, um, with the players we all know and love um, returning for them and guys like Steph Curry, 
I think that he's going to become a better overall team defender. And I think that's the biggest thing that he's missing because he's consistently an 18 to 22 point uh, per game score. That part has always been his, his game. The issue is that he's a turnstile defensively and plays with very minimal effort on that end. But I think that maybe that had a lot to do with in Minnesota, not having very much to play for. But in Golden State, we know that they have a lot to play for, and we know that they have very high standards over there. So I think that'll be just the kind of kick in the butt that they that he needs in order to be able to show us the athleticism and the defensive instinct that we all presume he has based on his build and frame. It's funny that you mentioned Garrett, Gary Harris at number eight because he's actually my honorable mention at um... – He's actually my honorable mention for this list. Um, I think Andrew Wiggins pretty much is going to have maybe one of the best seasons of his career because he's stepping up for a guy like like Thompson, and he's coming off a season where he was averaging 22 points and five rebounds. So I expect him to be a huge factor in this offense. Um, in terms of Eric Bledsoe, I'm not expecting a lot from him. Um, we haven't really been we haven't really seen a lot from Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs, like you mentioned. And I think his ability to complement Lonzo, I think will be very interesting on a New Orleans Pelicans team that is very young. And I think that, I think Eric Bledsoe may be able to fit with a guy like Lonzo Ball. Yeah, bro. I mean, I think I think that's going to be the ticket. That's going to be the ticket right there is how he matches up with a guy lo- uh, like Lonzo Ball in terms of seeing him on the defensive end. Um, I have one other really tricky question that I want to ask you based on the list that we have. If, because you, get, you gave the disclaimer earlier on that we had to unfortunately do this list without including Clay Thompson, because if we're talking about the 2020-2021 season, he's not going to be available. But if, if Clay Thompson were available and able to be put on this list, where are you putting him and who do you feel like you most likely would need to bump off this list to make room for him? So I would put him, I would put Clay Thompson at number two. And in terms of who I kick off this list, I'm going to say it's Lou Williams. Um, I think that Clay Thompson is, like you said, the second best three, three point shooter in the league. He also is part of maybe the greatest duo of all time with Steph Curry. Um, his ability to hit threes is remarkable. And especially the way he can just catch and shoot threes is amazing. Um, also, the fact that he can shoot off the dribble and then just shoot and then pretty much just pulling up from three, I think those are just more aspects of the fact that he is maybe the deadliest three-point shooter on sides that I've heard. Um, why I'm kicking Lou Williams off this list? Um, I'm kicking him off because of the fact that six-man-of-the-year candidate he doesn't start. I understand the average is 18 points a game, but if I had to kick somebody off my list, it's Lou Williams, and mainly because of last season and how he really wasn't able to produce in the playoffs, and the fact that he's he's not really star- he's not a starting shooting guard in the league. 
No, I feel that. I mean, personally, I have him. I have them going in the same spot in terms of uh, putting him at number two. I still think James Harden is the best shooting guard in the league. Um, my only follow up to that would be, ironically enough, I think Eric Bledsoe would be the odd man out. I just have that much belief in Andrew Wiggins' upside in a championship environment. I think that Gary Harris is an overall really well-rounded two-way guard. Um, at the two at the at the two spot, and I think that that's hard to kind of argue against. Buddy Hield and D'Angelo Russell, we've touched on significantly, so I don't have to go too much into those guys. I think Eric Bledsoe is the odd man out because Clay Thompson is the ultimate three and D wing, and he doesn't even play at the three spot. He just shoots threes extremely well. It can guard the one through three, and sometimes your small ball four. So. I mean, he's just a very elite player. I think you could make the argument that he's a better player than James Harden overall, but James Harden's ability to score between 30 and 35 points per game over the course of the last four seasons, on top of the fact that this post, this past postseason and really this past year, we've seen James Harden develop a little bit more and more as a, uh, as a team defender and all around overall better defender. I think being such a potent offensive player and being um, increasingly better on the defensive end gives James Harden the slight edge to a guy like Klay Thompson, who we know can go off whenever uh, humanly possible, but he's not a guy who within the function of his team is going to average the kind of usage that a guy like James Harden does. And he's going to cover the best, the other team's best perimeter player more than a guy like James Harden does. So I think you could argue that Klay Thompson could be number one, but I think most would tell you that it's 55-45, if not maybe, you know, you know, maybe a little bit closer than that. 50-50 is a smidge too close, but yeah, I think you could definitely argue that Klay Thompson would be the the that could be the best shooting guard in the league, but it would be a really tough sell. And I think Andrew Wiggins has a lot of potential in the West. And I think that on a team like Golden State, I think he's going to be a primary part of their offense. I think also if I had to choose between Clay Thompson and Lou Williams, I mean, I have to choose Clay Thompson. I, I would choose Clay Thompson because he is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And he's he's maybe the second he's maybe the second best guard outside of James Harden. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, where do you rank Clay Thompson among the top ten shooting guards in the Western Conference? It's been a great episode today on Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars, and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.